All right, so we are wrapping up uh, a series called Healthy. And we are basing that from a text in Ephesians chapter 3. And so I want to start in Ephesians chapter 3 today. And what I'd like to do is read verses 16 through 21. We have a few times um, brought out the context of these words, and so I'm not going to do that quite as much uh, this morning. But Paul is writing to believers in Ephesus about the state of being a Jesus follower, receiving his love and responding to it. And we're coming to the turning point, if you will, the hinge in the letter as the first half, the first three chapters are about a state of being. And then the last three chapters are about action and how we respond. So picking up in verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So most of the older translations are going to render... that verse 19 as simply may you be filled with the fullness of God. And that helps us get an understanding of being made complete, being filled where we're lacking nothing. But this phrasing in the New Living I think is helpful to us to understand a little bit deeper what that's talking about in spiritual health. And so... We've tried to just bring a little bit of definition, a little bit of articulation to that. So being made complete, being filled with the fullness of God. And we've essentially narrowed it down to a simple phrase, through God's love, we can be healthy. And we're using that word healthy because I think it's helpful for understanding. So this would mean free from disease or pain, enjoying well-being, a body-minded spirit, in a good state, sound whole, hearty, robust, lively, vital, not sick or injured, not weakened, not run down, and not worn out. And here's what we have looked at um, over the period of these four weeks. Because as is per usual for us, this is a huge topic which we really could spend a couple years on. And what we're doing is lightly going along the top where there are many things that we have pointed out in Scripture that you could dig down into for the rest of the year to help fill out our understanding of that. I'm glad some of you are still breathing this morning. I still see some responses. So in our first week in introducing this concept, what we have looked at is salvation, God's love is a gift to me. 
So the context of this passage from Ephesians is that you will be made complete. You will be brought to full health when you have experienced, when you have sought out and learned about, when you have come to a place of experiencing the depth of the love that God has for you as expressed through Jesus Christ. And the context of salvation is essential to that understanding. It's not, hey, show up to these events and then you will become a better person. It's not, hey, attend this and then try to act better. No, that's not a good understanding at all. In fact, it is simply good news of what Jesus has already done for you and an opportunity to receive it to digest it, to respond to it, to live out of a thank you toward God. Are you with me? Right? And God who is a good father, God who loves his children, all his children, and the way that they celebrate and enjoy different moments and, and everything from birth to full life. Are you aware that God celebrates and loves the infant? The toddler who's not acting right? Those of us more mature in life and those of us more mature than those that are more mature? <laughs> Experienced. God loves every human life. Doesn't, God doesn't just love us when we can come on a Sunday morning and sit still for a few minutes. Are you with me? Yes. Let's have some healthy, full understanding. We get this not out of our imagination, not out of just warm, fuzzy feelings. Romans 5.8 says this. God showed us His love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. In Jesus we learn this giving love, kind of love that comes to us from God that is very different than human love. That's why Philippians 2 describes that Jesus did not consider Himself and His place in heaven as more important than you and the Father's wishes to make it possible for you to be redeemed. But Jesus chose you. Not for what He could get out of you. Jesus chose you. Not because of how you were acting at the moment. Essentially, when you were at your worst, Jesus chose you to give you love. This is what is being written about in Ephesians 3. It's transformative when we start to dig down into it, when we start to allow the roots of our life to be anchored by it. So God's love is a gift to us, and understanding the good news of Jesus is a start. The second week we looked at God's love is strong where you are not. We looked at a variety of verses that are incredibly helpful as it relates to insecurity and anxiety and depression and discouragement and Judging ourselves too harshly. Last week we looked at Jesus-centered life completes me. It leads me away from self-centeredness. And today we're looking at Jesus-centered life leads me into healthy relationships and away from codependency. Last week I gave a handout. Um, and if anyone would like one from last week, just raise your hand. I'll have somebody uh, bring one to you. If you didn't get one, please get one. We'll get a little bit of help there and make sure everyone... So on one side, what we have is a column talking about bad religion and a column 
correlating those thoughts or countering those thoughts with what the good news should actually look like. So one side you see a contrast between bad religion and good news. We may run out. I can get you more. We'll see if we got uh, more later. And those of you who have your email address, I can email it to you. On the back of that handout, what you have is some Bible-based or Jesus thoughts about codependency and helping us understand that. And so I want to just further articulate a little bit about what we're talking about. So you see on the screen, a Jesus-centered life, i.e. in love gives ethic, an agape ethic, will lead us away from both the tyranny of self-centeredness and the tyranny of codependency. The reality is that you can be your own worst enemy. And living to make yourself happy first and foremost and above all other thoughts can make yourself a tyrant. Make your cravings, your carnal nature, your desires a tyrant. Now, God gave us life in part so that we would enjoy it. So this takes a little bit of understanding and a little bit of discernment. A one-liner that is cheap will not help us understand this in a healthy way. There's inherent value in work. There's inherent value in taking a nap. God loves you when you're taking a nap. God doesn't love you now in this moment because you said amen. He celebrates it, but he loves all your moments. So have a human moment. We're not talking about the kind of Christianity that beats down your human moments. Hello? God loves me even when my jokes are not good. (laughs) Such as, you got to pray for a brother because I'm playing Stephen this Sunday in the Church Fantasy Football League. And because I love y'all, I'm starting Joe Flacco. (laughs) I'm a man of faith. What's wrong with you? (laughs) God wants us to be free from tyranny. The tyranny of self-centeredness. What is self-centeredness? We talked about this last week. It's prioritizing a pleasing of myself that results in the disregard of the value of another. It's when my thoughts, my desires, my dreams are more important than yours. We had a good illustration last week of how different a Jesus-centered life looks than that. Do I have to have my hands on the steering wheel of life or am I willing For Jesus to be my GPS. My God, I I didn't come up with one. (laughs) But when I devalue someone else, whether it's because they have hurt me or because the color of their skin, whether it's because of any reason, every human was created by God in the image of God and is therefore worthy of love and respect. Be alive for five minutes and you will get an opportunity to realize this is not easy. More on that later. Codependency is a prioritizing of the happiness of others to the point of disregard of the value of myself. It's when the happiness of others is necessary for me to be at peace. Now, if you're human, you can experience both of these things. And that's why the handout we did last week gave you time to read up on kind of a Jesus ideas about codependency and what it means. Because I think it's easy for us to confuse both of these issues. 
codependency is a little bit easier to unwrap from our thinking because it sounds like good Christianity. Jesus put himself on the cross, and so I put myself on the cross for you every time I take out the trash. <laughs> oh, are you with me? No. Right? Codependency is when if you're not happy, I can't be happy, I cannot know peace. Now, understand, this takes a little bit of discernment, a little bit of understanding. A Jesus-honoring empathy means that when you're suffering, like Jesus was moved with compassion, a sharing the passion, a sharing the Latin passion, suffering, I will come alongside of you and I will suffer with you. And if I can do something to bring healing or to help you not have to suffer, I will do so. So if that means taking out the garbage, doing the dishes, whatever, I'm going to do that, right? But the maturity, a being made complete, also brings me to a place of understanding that I am not your God. Your joy does not start with me, and my joy does not start with you, and the ultimate fulfillment of which will not be fulfilled in each other, and I am not responsible for your happiness. This, now here's where we make a mistake. Most often what people will do out of immaturity, lack of understanding, and self-centeredness is that they will then just have a disregard for the other person's feelings. That's not what we're talking about. And as I said last week, I want to be very clear about what I am saying and about what I am not saying, which is why you have a handout last week and you have a handout today. But I want to talk a little bit about codependency and uh, first, what I'd like to do is ask for Holly to come and share part of her story with us as it relates to this subject. Thank you. Hi, guys. I'm Holly. I'm a great believer who struggles with codependency, anxiety, fear, mostly codependency, which is why uh, Ben asked me to talk today. Um, so uh, I wanted to just give a little background on me. Um, I grew up in a house where my dad had Asperger's and my mom was traumatized from extreme emotional distress from childhood trauma. Um, I grew up where my chores included not just taking out the trash, but also um, taking care of my siblings, raising my siblings, and tiptoeing around my brother who also had Asperger's. Uh, growing up in a house where I didn't really know where to look for love, I started looking for love in all the wrong places. I looked at church, yeah, just like the song. Um, <laughs> um, I thought approval came from the women at church who loved me and did whatever I needed to make them happy. I sought approval from my teachers, which is why I got outstanding grades. And I sought approval from relationships with my friends. I could never do enough for everyone else. I could never receive the love I truly wanted, but I kept seeking it anyway from people instead of God. And eventually, I met this guy who uh, needed me more than all five members of my house did. He needed constant validation. He needed me. And for that, for me, that was huge because here comes this guy who's so well-received in the community. He's well-respected by all his colleagues and respected by his peers, teachers. And he has like three or four degrees. So I thought he's like way up here. He needed me to help him stabilize so that he could help all the other people that he helped on a daily basis. My life became a daily challenge of making him happy. He needed me to help him with his homework. He needed me to help him with calming down. 
So I was there. Every time he needed me, I was there. He needed me to help him talk him down from suicide, so of course I was there. If he was relapsing with his sex addiction, I was there. Nothing in my life mattered anymore. But it didn't happen overnight. Like, this was a series of decisions I made over the course of several years. And it did get that bad. I got so high from helping him that I would crash. And I had no peace at all unless I was helping him. I wasn't handling anything on my own anymore. And God was so far out of the picture, I couldn't even feel him anymore. So codependency for me was living my life based on the needs of my ex until the director of my Celebrate Recovery came to me and showed me evidence that I was enabling. Enabling is a big part of codependency. Um, my, my decisions had been allowing for my ex to prey on others. And that was the worst day of my life when I finally came to the realization that I was the reason he was able to get away with so much. I felt like the worst person in the world, and that was my low. But with the help of Celebrate Recovery, I was able to find the mental and spiritual health that I had so longed for. I was able to finally feel supported by other people. Um, a lot of the women in my group came around me and supported me the same way that I had needed support all those years. The support that I had never found at home, the stability that I would never found from my parents. Because they just couldn't be there for me. I don't hold it against them anymore. I've been able to come to a place of forgiveness with them. But for so long, it was just a place where I couldn't feel safe. And so I tried to find safety and approval and love everywhere, but the place where I should have been looking the whole time, and that was with God. But Celebrate Recovery really helped me to be able to put that structure into my life and implement just the daily need for me to seek God first so that I could help other people, so that I could find purpose in this life. Thanks for letting me Thank you, Holly. So this is a tricky issue, and I want to say this. We're not going to come to a place of a full understanding of it here now in these moments. That's why I gave you some reading material last week and why we have some reading material here today. It's also discussed in Life's Healing Choices, a book that's available for free on our book table. Um, I want to say this. God loves you. God wants you to be happy. And God wants you to be in a place of healthy relationships. In fact, we see a a number of things in Scripture that were brand new to the ancient world when when pen was put to paper to record the words of Jesus and with the New Testament church. And actually, if you will read Ephesians in one sitting, those six chapters, which is possible... What you will find is that even the passages on the individual life, and the the whole letter is in the plural, all y'all, all the you, it's all y'all, and that's the believers gathered to worship Jesus in that time and place. The passages about human relationships, if you pay attention, what you will find is an ethic of mutual submission. Much has been made of a couple of passages where that word is used. Ignoring the passage that's right before it, which says, submit to each other. A God ethic, a a love gives ethic, is one where in relationships there's mutual submission. There's care for each other. One person who 
passed away, was pronounced legally dead by doctors, had a vision of heaven, had a vision of hell, came back to life to share it. This was their vision. There was a corridor, there was a door on one side. They went in, and inside that door they saw a huge banquet table. Seated at every place was a skeleton. It was a hor- horrific sight, really. Plenty of food on the table. You saw fixed in one hand of each skeleton a spoon. This is puzzled. Left. You saw another door. Went into that door and saw similar banquet tables set up. Lavish feast of food and people happy, celebrating, loving it. Feeding each other because he noticed they had the same spoon in the other room. But the spoon was too long for them to feed themselves. So they were feeding each other. When we live in response to Jesus with a love gives ethic, we will look out to care for each other. Almost, almost never to a point of killing ourselves. You're God's child. He loves you. He cares for you. He cares about your happiness. Codependency can lead us to enabling, which allows the perpetual childishness of another person. Sometimes what God wants us to do is pull back a little bit and allow them to feel the consequences of their childishness. Please be careful to hear what I'm saying and distinguish it from what I'm not saying this morning. Another handout, as promised. You help me? Good. So in this series, we've been talking about the good news, the basics of the gospel. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story about the picture that's on the screen right now, the park that you see. Some of you will recognize it because this little park is just around the corner down Elm Street. When we first moved to Baltimore, this was an empty space where there was just drug activity and people let their dogs go to the bathroom. That was it. One of our neighbors spent a lot of their own time, energy, and money over months and months and months to make it possible for this park to exist. Gathered the community, a variety of community meetings, got it, took in a lot of input, found what play equipment would be best, especially for early child development, what would be a good place where young kids could play. Did a lot so that this could be possible. And now in this neighborhood, we have more couples with with little ones that go there and that use this park. And it's a beautiful thing. And I was there recently and it just kind of struck me. These new people that have moved into the neighborhood, they don't know what it was like before. And in fact, they would maybe assume that the city just made it happen because the tax base is higher in this neighborhood. But that would be a wrong assumption. Because the park wouldn't be there if not for one of my neighbors. Do you know who that neighbor is? 
is Steve, who makes the toilet bowl races happen as well, for free, his own time, energy, and money, because he's a neighbor that wants other people to enjoy the neighborhood. On one side of this, on the top, you say four questions to help us understand God's story revealed in Scripture and how we be made, can we be made complete. And I only have a couple minutes to do this. This truth is essential for you to experience what this passage in Ephesians is talking about. Because God wants you to come to a place of being made complete in yourself. God wants you to come to a place of understanding your own identity, of having an experience with Him. And if you don't understand the simple basics of what was already done for you, what has already been done for you so that you can experience it, you won't fully appreciate what has happened, what the good news really means. You will just check off that box in your brain, come and go, attend a few events, and wonder why your life is still not good. You won't experience the freedom that God designed for you. Now, I know some of you are going to be disappointed. I'm not a Calvinist. Just going to put that out there. If you are, we can talk about it. And I'm not forceful. All of you know. We do not talk about, I do not talk about who I vote for. I just encourage you to vote. And I am not a tulip person. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But the basics of the good news of Jesus that are you cannot argue with from Scripture are very important for me to understand. Why? Let's do a quick example. My selfishness. Where is my selfishness rooted in? I was born with it. I didn't do anything to deserve this jacked up situation. Well, here's what happened. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God created the galaxy. God created the universe. God created Adam and Eve, and he gave them a choice. You can eat. Do and you, Here's some stuff to do. Here, eat all this stuff, but don't eat the fruit of this one tree. What did they do? Just like you. Oops, I did it again. And then they felt shame, and then they went and hid. And then what happened? A loving and a personal God pursued them. And a loving and personal God still pursues us. He is not co-dependent. He did not create us to fulfill a need inside himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit already had loving relationship within each other. That was perfect, without insecurity, without unfaithfulness, without sin. God did not create humans to fill his own void. Understanding that is very helpful for me to come to grips with where my selfishness came from and why God wants me to respond to him. It's not manipulation. Come on, somebody, this is good. It's very important. God loves me because it is who God is. God is love. And my selfishness now stands in stark contrast to a God, to Jesus who would come, not concerned about himself more than us. In fact, if we want lasting peace in our nation, between people of various political stripes, people of a wide variety of gender identification, bombing the other group of people is not the path to lasting peace. Do I, as a man, react negatively to the powerful feminists in this neighborhood? No. 
That's foolish. Every person should feel loved and respected, regardless of how they view their identity. Are you with me? This is important. This will lead us away from the tyranny of self-centeredness and the tyranny of codependency. When I understand and I experience the love of God, not just, oh, God loves you, the context of the gospel, what God has done for you through Jesus. It was a loving God, a loving relational God that did us, did this for us. It was because of sin that brings bondage and condemnation. What will put us right? Jesus Christ, God incarnate, was our substitution, paid the penalty, took our sin upon himself on the cross, that restoration is possible. How are we put right? Through faith, by receiving God's love through grace. And as we discussed last week, God's not asking for blind trust. For thousands of years and to millions of people that are recorded in this book, God has already proven what his character is, what kind of person he is. I am running out of time, so the back part of your page is where I want to bring this to a landing place. I have a lot more to say on these subjects, as is usual. Questions to help healthy relationships. And I think what you are coming to understand is that this is really about perspective. And from where do I derive my identity? From where do I derive my strength? From where do I derive my joy primarily? Enjoying relationships and enjoying each other is God's design. It's great. It's good. It's fulfilling. But when we're not looking at it right, when we're not doing it right, it's usually obvious because there's sorrow. So question number one, have I received the love of God and responded to it? Question two, does my identity start with God? You will find healing in yourself that will help you come to a place of peace where you will no longer need to self-medicate with whatever it is, sexual pleasure, substances, tearing other people down, whatever it is that you are fall prey to do so that you can feel better about yourself, if you will stop just focusing on be better, be better, don't do that, don't do that, but instead focus on how God has loved you, you will come to a place of healing and then start to receive His grace and start to be able to submit to ask God for Him to reshape your character into the shape that He wants it to be. You will not fall prey to comparing yourself to other people, but instead discover the glorious design that God created you with and be all of you. Does my identity start with God? Number three, am I more dependent on God or people? So for some of us, this is our employer. If our employer misses a paycheck, oh, all hell is breaking loose. Who is your provider? It is God who gives you power to earn wealth. Question four. Do I understand the difference between enjoying a relationship and looking for ultimate fulfillment in it? Now, a measure of fulfillment in relationships is a God design. We are not designed to be isolated, to be self-serving primarily. Do I understand this distinction? Number five. Am I living by God's purpose for my relationships? 
This is why we served at the toilet races yesterday. Jesus did not go to the cross just for you. In fact, Jesus did not go to the cross just for the people who would respond to him in faith. Do you know that the truth is, even for those who refuse to believe in Jesus and that will spend eternity in hell, Jesus went to the cross for them. It is God's grace for them, regardless of how they respond. It is God's grace. And that's why we serve people not really worried about how they respond. Hello? If we will start to serve each other with regardless of how the other person responds, we will find more peace in our homes, more joy in our homes. That was really good, and now you're going to chew on it for a long time, and you'll thank me later. Number six, is Jesus the center of my life? Very important question. We talked about it at length last week. And number seven, in what ways can I step away from self-centeredness and codependency? We will close with this. Action items and prayer for your relationships. This will help you have a better focus for the people that are in your life. Number one, write out a list. You can do it today. It's raining. Where are you going to go? And guess what? Even those of you that still watch football, like archaic ancient dinosaurs like me, there's a halftime. <laughs> write out a list of your family members and primary relationships in your neighborhood and your schools and your workplaces. It's hard to make any change with this if you don't know their names. Sometimes I want to write a list of the people in your life. Number two, write out topics to pray over for each person listed. God, I wish they would not start my Monday by complaining at my desk. Write it down. Create a list of what to pray for for each person. God, I wish they would stop stealing from me. Write it down. You can pray for that stuff. Now, it may not be the right time for you to say, you, Lord, of the name of... Okay. Number three, and I find it to be helpful in this order, thank God for each person. Even if it's God, I don't know why I'm thanking you, but I'm thanking you that you put that person in my life. The Bible says there's value in that and it will benefit you if you will do it. Thank God for each person. Number four, pray for each person. Now here's what I'm talking about specifically. You, when you are by yourself, not just, I'm going to email this to Pastor Ben and he can pray for it and then I'm going to go play video games. No, you, by yourself, pray for each person on your list. You might be the only representative of Jesus they will have. If you will pray for them after you have thanked God for them, your heart will change, your perspective toward them will change, and then you will naturally be, even without saying a word, a different person the next time you are in their presence, and it is likely that if not the first time later on, they are going to sense that difference in your attitude towards them, and the relationship will change. You are not to manipulate them. You are not to lecture them. You are not to try to fix them. Poor Chris and Coldplay trying to fix her. Didn't work. They got divorced. If you were trying to fix the people in your life, you were going about it the wrong way. And some of us got into relationships in Florence Nightingale Syndrome. And it's still not working out so well. You can help a person. It's not your responsibility to fix the person. (laughs) 
pray for each person. Ask God what you should do for each person. Watch this now. One of the most... I thank you for the extra few minutes. One of the most frustrating relationships I had in my life was with a person that several people in this room know who will remain nameless. I was very frustrated. This person was 17 years old at the time. I was responsible for teaching, coaching this person. I was like, oh, I should pray for him. I prayed for him. And one, God does not really speak to me like the way that most of you think all that often. But God spoke to me. He said, I will take care of this, this, and this, and you take care of this, this, and this with that person. Hello. I, I had freedom that I didn't have before. And now I had God thoughts. Maybe God's not speaking to us because our prayers are self-centered. Will God speak to you when your heart aligns with His? God, how do you want me to look at this person? God, what do you want me to do? And there's some scriptures for you to consider, which I would love to read, which I should read, but we're past time. Will you please stand with me? We'll close in prayer. Thank you for five extra minutes today. Listen, I know that this subject is not easy. But here's good news. God will help you. And you have other people in this room who will help you. Isn't that great? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's specific. We thank you that there's nothing in our life that we're facing that is too difficult for you. There is nothing that is too complicated for you. There is no one who is beyond your reach to help. There is no one that you have given up on. But God, that you want us to have loving, healthy, purposeful relationships. And you can speak to us about how that should go. Lord, we thank you for your help. We thank you that you can make us complete. That it is you that does the heavy lifting. That it is you who promised. You who began the good work in us will be faithful to complete it. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week. Give somebody some love this morning. Grace and peace.